Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are catching up with former Vikings wide receiver and Gophers broadcaster, Paul Flatley. Pete, before we uh, chat with Paul, let's uh, review what happened on Sunday in Tampa Bay. Maybe a microcosm of sort of where this Viking season is at. Just not good enough. Not good enough to overcome missed kicks. Not good enough to overcome some questionable uh, official calls. Uh, just not good enough to finish after what looked like a really promising start for this team. And it, and it really was. And the part the part to, for me that's a head-scratcher is we do the difficult things very well, right? Running against a Tampa Bay front that hasn't allowed a 60-yard rusher all year. Uh, Dalvin goes out, puts up over 100. You know, you, you, you do these things, and yet you don't do the simple things, right? We didn't turn the ball over except right at the end, which is great. But, you know, you can't leave receivers run wide open down the middle of the field, right? You can't have penalties in the red zone, either on offense and or defense to let, you know, to extend drives for the other team. So, and then, yeah, you got to make some kicks. It's, it's like, those are the, those are kind of the routine things that you should be able uh, to, to fix very easily, very readily, very quickly. But yet at the same time, it's amazing how, a, you know, so we're not that far off, Mark. I guess that's that's what I'm trying to say. Is It's not like we're a disaster across the board. It's just we're not doing some simple things right. And, you know, for Zimmer, he has to be pulling his hair out of his head because it's it's so frustrating. When you have 39 minutes uh, time of possession, uh, you win football games, especially against keeping Tom Brady on the sidelines that long. It's, it's a head-scratcher, again, to understand uh, they had a, almost a nine-minute drive, which resulted in a touchdown, but you're playing catch-up at that point. No, absolutely right. I mean, this is one where if you're – flipping through your phone and you're just looking at box scores, right? You just look at the, mm-hmm. the score and you think, oh, Tampa Bay took care of them, right? Well, then you dig a little deeper. And then you dig a little deeper. And like you said, two to one on the time of possession. I mean, um, up until right before halftime, you know, Tampa Bay didn't do anything but punt. Then they had touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. I mean, it just it, – it came like a tsunami. Part of it is a – pass interference call in the end zone that hasn't been called since 2009. Then there was a call against Gladney, which, you know, was uh, was Mike Evans slipping and falling down. It had nothing to do with Gladney. Sometimes you have to play through those and overcome those. And if that was the only problem, that would be one thing. But there's there's just, you know, you if you just look at the box score, you think one thing. You dig more deeply, you think another. If you had watched the game very closely, it's even another level. I mean, there's uh, the good news is it can be fixed pretty easily. Well, there's no room for error now. The Bears are here on Sunday. A Bears team coming off a huge win against Houston, at least from the scoreboard standpoint. Mitchell Trubisky will be their starting quarterback. We'll get into that later in the week. Uh, But right now, let's turn back the clock. It's Skull Stories. It's time to talk with a longtime Viking wide receiver and uh, Gophers uh, broadcaster as well, Paul Flatley. Well, Pete Bursich on Skull Stories this week. We're going old school. Uh, I'll tell you right away. Uh, this is a, this is a gentleman who has an association not only with the early years with the Minnesota Vikings, but also as an opponent of the Minnesota Gophers, then as a, as an analyst with the Minnesota Gophers for many many years in the broadcast booth. One of the best wide receivers to play the game in, in a lot of different areas. Paul Flatley is joining us today. We're thrilled to have you, Paul. And uh, how are you, my friend? Thank you, Mark. Uh, I'm fine. I'm just getting older, and that's the only real problem <laughs> I got. Aren't we all? Um, I will, I will say, uh, speaking of getting old, um, I was with my dad in the stands. The first year my dad took me to Memorial Stadium was 
1960, 61, I was a little tyke, and I, I remember watching Sandy Stevens and the Minnesota Gophers play a pretty good Northwestern team, and I just remember this wide receiver. I kept saying, Dad, he's pretty good. It was you, Paul Flatley. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you recall those days, uh, fond memories of playing the Gophers, and they had a great football team, uh, but also uh, what that experience was like just being at, with Northwestern. It was interesting to be playing in Minnesota because uh, Barry Warmath and the Gophers had a strong record for so many years. Mm-hmm. And at Northwestern, we had Era Parsegian as our head coach, and he turned things around. And we were just starting to build uh, a, a better organization. And to play against the Gophers was a real challenge and, and enjoyable. Being a Notre Dame guy, I'm very familiar with Era Parsegian. What was it like to play for him, and what did he bring uh, to Northwestern when he was there? Well, let me tell you, when I was a senior in high school here in Richmond, Indiana, I was recruited by a number of schools, and I visited a number of schools. It took some long flights even out toward the West Coast. And I can remember coming home and saying to my mother, I'm not sure about that place. I'm not sure about that place. But I went to Northwestern. I flew into Midway Airport. I got a car ride up the outer Lake Shore Drive up to Evanston. I met Air Parsegian. I was so impressed with everything that I did that weekend. I can remember coming home and saying to my mother, that's where I want to be. I was so impressed with Air Parsegian when we first talked. And uh, he made he changed my life around because here was the deal. I was a senior quarterback in high school. And I went to Northwestern and uh, I was there for a few practices. And Aaron walked over to me and he said, did you play any other position when you were in high school? Because he apparently wasn't too impressed with my quarterbacking skills. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, I was a running back. And he said, well, why don't you just go on over there and get in that group of people? So I was a running back my sophomore and junior year. And then the best thing that ever happened to me was he had recruited, he recruited a guy by the name of Tommy Myers from Troy, Ohio, and he could throw the ball. And we were in the Big Ten, as you well know, playing against Minnesota and all the rest of the Big Ten, and it was three yards and a cloud of dust every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Ara said, listen, we got a guy that can throw it. He came to me, he said, would you like to try to catch it? Yeah. I said, absolutely. So I got out of the backfield, three yards in a cloud of dust and getting beat up on every play. We spread the offense out. Uh, Meyer started throwing the ball. I started catching it. And I was a senior, and that's the best thing ever happened to me. From there, of course, we went 6-0, and and we were number one in the nation. And then uh, we lost a couple of games, and we finished 7-2. and But that switch for me was a blessing because it allowed me to be recruited for my receiving skills, and that's what what I brought to Minnesota, Vikings. I think people would find it surprising Northwestern was ranked uh, number one for a couple of weeks. Northwestern, you think of Ohio State. They say three yards in a cloud of dust with Ohio State and Michigan, even back then, uh, and, and Minnesota. That was, I mean, Northwestern wasn't exactly a destination school at that time, was it, Paul? No, it was not, but Era had magical recruiting skills. And he not only told you he could 
create a good football career for you. But academically, Northwestern was an excellent place to to prepare yourself for the real world. As soon as you were done, you came to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, ended up being Rookie of the Year. Uh, and played right. for another played for another great coach in Bud Grant. What was uh, what was Bud Grant like? Well, now let me back up on that. When I came to the Vikings, it was Norm Van Brocklin, ah, who okay. was my, yeah. who who was my coach, <laughs> and it, it, that was an excellent match for me again, because Norm was a former All Pro quarterback with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. And he was in his third year of coaching the Vikings when I was a rookie in 1963. And uh, we had an excellent quarterback, Fran Tarkington. And with Van Brocklin's skills as a coach and Fran's ability to create issue and create plays as a player, again, it's the best thing that happened to me because it was a very good match. I didn't have great speed, and Van Brocklin introduced me at a banquet one time. He said, and the next guy here we got at the head table is Paul Flatley, and he's only been in the league for four years, and he already holds an NFL record. He said, <laughs> he's been caught from behind more times than anybody ever plays <laughs> in the league. It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mmlottery.com. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's Skull season at Mystic Lake. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and a Polaris side-by-side. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash football. And now back to more Skull Stories with Paul Flatley. Well, Paul, I don't know how to how to say this nicely, but Norm had a reputation as being a, a bit of an SOB. Uh, he and Fran didn't always see eye-to-eye. It maybe per- propelled Fran to being traded to the New York Giants in 1967 when Bud did take over, but... What do we call about the contentious relationship and how that worked within the team concept between a former great quarterback like Norm Van Brocklin and Fran the man, Fran the scrambler, when he when he came to Minnesota? Well, there was no doubt that there was a, a difference in uh, performances and some differences in opinion. Van Brocklin was a, a bit more patient than Francis because Francis was a scrambler. If he felt a little bit of pressure, bingo, he was gone. He was scrambling which was good for me because I could scramble as well and find an open spot and we connected. But Norm thought that Francis was too quick to leave the pocket and many times would say something to him about that. And it wasn't always positive. You know what I mean? It was always somewhat critical and damn it, stay in the pocket and (laughs) don't be hurrying out of there and let it, let it develop. So there was a difference in response. Francis had scrambling and speed skills, and Norm was a pocket guy. What do you recall about those days at, at, at Met Stadium? Uh, the early years, the Vikings lost a lot of games, scored a lot of points. 
the fans were embracing this team, this new team that had come here in 1961 along with the Minnesota Twins. And did you feel at home having played at Northwestern? I, I was very comfortable in Minnesota. It was a third year of the franchise. We were still building the team. I contributed the best that I could to try to make the team better. And uh, Francis made it happen for the most part. Norm tried to take advantage of his skills. And the people and fans were very pre- uh, very patient. And it, it was a, really a wonderful experience growing up in a franchise team because in a young team in, in the league because every game that we played was a challenge, so to speak, you know, because we played against most of the teams that had been in the league for some time. I liked Norm a lot. I respected his opinions and I respected his knowledge. And uh, we we got better as time went on. First year mm-hmm. that I was there, we were five eight and one, and within a year or two, we were eight five and one. You were part of the Vikings when they left Bemidji and went to Mankato. What uh, what was that like? And which would you have? Uh, which one did you prefer? Well, Bemidji was a very nice place to be because it was isolated, so to speak, and you could concentrate on what you were doing. There were only a few places where you could get in trouble at night, and so that was good. But Mankato was close to the Twin Cities, and the publicity there was better, and it it was easier to travel back and forth to. And we had more visitors and more fans on the sidelines. So there was a big difference between Bemidji, which was really a summertime camp, and Mankato was more businesslike. Again, we're talking with Paul Flatley, former Viking wide receiver, former analyst with the Minnesota Gophers, about the early years with the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, Pete Bursich mentioned uh, Van Brocklin turning it over to Bud Grant in 1967. You couldn't have more different personalities and the fiery Norm Van Brocklin than the stoic Bud Grant and all the stories we hear. Uh, what was that transition like and what was Bud like to kind of test the waters and find out where uh, where he was as a head coach? Well, that was an interesting transition because not only did we have a a big change at the coaching level, but we also had a big change at the quarterbacking spot Uh because Francis then was gone and Bud recruited Joe Cap (laughs) to come into the league and to play with the Vikings. And Joe Cap was not Fran Tarkin. And I was, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I'm just saying he had a different style. He didn't have the scrambling skills that Francis had to keep the ball alive so that if he, if the quarterback got any pressure, the quarterback usually went down and, and cap was that way. He couldn't scramble like Francis couldn't keep the ball alive like Francis could. And so it, it was a big change. And Bud had relied on Joe he recruited him. He knew about him because they played against each other in Canada because Joe had played in Canada. But, of course, mm-hmm. he was at Winnipeg before he came to the Vikings. So it was a very different situation than Van Brocklin. In terms of sw- uh, switching uh, from the Vikings then over, and what your career ended, you stayed in Minnesota. You joined the legendary Ray Christensen in the booth with the Minnesota Golden Gophers broadcast team. And, uh, I think of the iconic voice of Ray Christensen 
and what that was like for you uh, to be a part of that for so many years, Paul, in that booth over at Memorial Stadium in particular. Uh, we had to climb those stairs to get that little press box and and, and work with Ray uh, to cover those games. You must have had a blast doing that. Ray was a first-class guy. I mean, he did go for games for many years, and uh, he was not an, an opinionated sort of critical person. He was just honest about his reporting, and, and I liked the way he delivered. And it was interesting to work with him because knowing his past and knowing how long he'd been around in Minnesota, I, I was impressed. And every time we worked together, it, it was wonderful. You know, I mean, a lot of respect for him, and it was a good change. I mean, I, I liked doing the Gophers. I respected what they were doing over on campus. And uh, it was a wonderful experience for me. I enjoyed all the times I spent in Minnesota as a player, as a business person, as a broadcaster. I, I made a lot of friends. You had some great teammates as as real characters too, but you guys didn't make a lot of money, and and you went to Northwestern for a reason. You built your own business here, the temporary services, which you were here, I think, up till nineteen ninety six. Do you remember what your top salary was in the National Football League, and and how that whole approach was? Like, you know, I got to find something else to do. I'm, I'm not going to make enough money playing football to sustain my life. Exactly. Well, let, let me tell you the truth about the the numbers. When I was a rookie at Northwestern. <laughs> And I got drafted by the Vikings. I think it was in the fourth round. And there were two leagues back then separated, American Football League and the National Football League. And I was drafted by the Vikings in the fourth round. And the first two guys uh, who were drafted, who I don't remember by name, but they signed with the AFL. So there was some real pressure for mm-hmm. by the fans and the lo- local people to, for the Vikings to, to do something. So I can remember having Burt Rose call me at Northwestern in late December and said, I'd like to come down and talk to you about our, con- our contract. He came down and we had lunch at a local place. And he said, here's the deal. He said, we don't know if you can play in the NFL or not, but I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, the first year, I'll give you $13,000. He said, I'll even give you a two-year contract. The first year, I'll give you 13000 And the second year, I'll give you 14000 And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check for four thousand dollars and he said this is your signing bonus well i mean that was a lot of money to me back then and players had no agents you know you couldn't have an agent back then in the early 60s so what do i do you know i signed so i took my four thousand dollar check home to my mother in indiana and showed it to her and she went oh my goodness when i did my rookie year and was rookie of the year I went back into Burt Rose, and I said to him, Burt, you didn't know whether I could play in this league, or, and I didn't know either, but it's obvious that I can. I said, I'd like to talk to you about the second year of my contract. He said, get the hell out of here. A deal's a deal. <laughs> I had no agent, right? So I went, oh, well, we just can't talk about it. He said, a deal's a deal. You sign your two-year contract. So I walk out of his office and I walk down the hallway at the Viking office and Ben Brocklin's there. He said, what are you doing here? And I told him the story and he said, lay low. He said, we're getting rid of Burt Rose. Mm. That was news. So I waited about three or four weeks. They fired Burt Rose, called me back in, gave me a 
$4,000 bonus for the season, my rookie season. And the second year I played for 14,000. So they didn't change my contract from a second year. But again, keep in mind, I had no agent. I had no knowledge of what other players were making and or what the numbers were around the league. The most I made my eighth year, I made $34,000 in Atlanta. And that was it. Wow. Now guys make $34 million. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, but they do. That's what happened when I was a rookie and early in the league in the, in the, in the 60s. Well, you had a storied, uh, interesting career, and I'm glad you, you made your home in Minneapolis uh, for a long time and on your, your own business and did so much with the Gophers. And, Paul, it's always great to catch up with you. Really appreciate your time. Stay well, my friend, and uh, thanks for the memories. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Well, Pete, as we mentioned at the outset, the Vikings now getting ready to face the Chicago Bears, a team they beat in Chicago uh, earlier this season. Now this game's at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Bears were really slumping, and all of a sudden, uh, Mitchell Trubisky found the magic. They beat a team, a Houston Texan team, that looks like they, they're cashing in their chips to get ready for the season to end. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, this game against Chicago? Well, again, you're you're facing another you know very good defensive front. Akeem Hicks should be back. Um, this isn't going to be an easy game. I mean, you know, the Bears dropped the number, you know, dropped a number of games in a row, and now they finally have some light. They can look at that playoff picture realistically and think that they have a shot. They're not completely out of it. Um, so I think we're going to get a very, you know, a really good effort from them. We've had problems with the Bears at home too, not just not mm. just in Chicago. We've had a number of these late season games that kind of aren't supposed to matter, and we just haven't been able to put them away. Um, but Trubisky, yeah, he, he, he did better. Um, you can tell by his box score, but you know, is, is he going to be able to take it to the next level? And, uh, our defense is going to really have to shut down their offense, uh, because our points will be at a premium. This is when you need a kicker. I mean, so, uh, we'll see how this whole thing unfolds. Let's hope that Eric Hendricks returns to that Vikings defense as well. The Vikings with three games left against the Bears here, their final home game of the season, then at New Orleans on Christmas Day, then finishing up against the Lions in Detroit. Thanks so much, Pete. It was great to catch up with our, our guest, Paul Flatley, to help relive some of the great moments from the Vikings' Norm Van Brocklin era. Thank you once again for another fun week, and thank you fans for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.